Welcome to episode 18 of The World and Everything You Need to Know. My name is Eric. There are two ways to contact the show. They are TWAEYNTK at gmail.com and TWAEYNTK on Twitter. Over the past couple of months, I've had the misfortune of reading a large number of articles put out by various organizations. What quickly became apparent was a lot of people really do not understand statistics. It appears that at a fundamental level, there is a lack of understanding regarding how different calculations are made, why they are made, the relevance of the calculations, where the statistics are derived from, and ultimately what the numbers mean. What is troublesome is, with the frequency of how often statistics are cited, if individuals do not understand how the numbers are crunched, they simply have to take it on faith that the numbers provided in an article or in a news report back the argument that is being made. When in truth, many people writing articles for various organizations do not know how the calculations were made or even what the results actually mean. Unfortunately, there is no way for me to explain all of the mechanics involved in statistics because there are far too many calculations that can be done, each of which provides a different type of statistical information. The best recommendation for anyone who is not confident in their level of understanding is to take an introductory collegiate level course. These days, this can be done quite affordably at any number of community colleges with classes available at practically any time of day or night and even on weekends. What I can provide are a couple of tips to determine whether or not the statistics provided in an article or included in a news report are meaningful or not. It all comes down to context. Without context, numbers quickly lose all meaning and relevance. While that can be said about many things, numbers and statistics require context and explanation. Without that, they are simply numbers. The most egregious cases of statistical claims without explanation fall into the category of pseudo-statistics. The newspaper publication, USA Today, used to be notorious for presenting charts and graphs without any labels or explanations. An example would be a bar graph with no labels on the X or Y axes and no numbered gradients to indicate scale. One bar on the graph might be pink and labeled women, and the other bar on the graph would be blue and labeled men. It does not matter what the graph is supposed to represent, it gives no context or explanation for what is being represented. Even if the article half-heartedly gave an explanation, the fact that there are no markers and no numbers on the graph makes it no more useful than a picture of a man winking as if to say, you get what I mean. For statistics to be relevant and meaningful, they need to be explained and defined. What population is being represented by the statistics? Was the entire population surveyed or was only a smaller sample population used? Here's an example of when an entire population should be used. If we are interested in drivers involved in fatal car accidents within a particular year, there is no reason not to include every fatal car accident in the data pool. In fact, not including every accident that fit the criteria would taint the calculations and potentially give inaccurate results. 
A sample population is used when it is unrealistic or impossible to include an entire population. In order for a sample population to be representative, there are a number of methods to obtain a random sample that is hopefully unbiased. Beyond that, it is important to know how large the represented population is and the size of the sample population. If the sample population is too small, it will not be an accurate representation. The minimum number that should be used in a sample population is 100, unless that exceeds the total population, in which case a sample population would not be used. The reason for this is population trends are frequently expressed as percentages of the total, which means if there are 100 individuals in a sample population, each individual will represent 1% of the total population. If there are less than 100 in the sample, each subject will represent more than 1%, which will taint the results in an unnatural manner. Here is an example to help illuminate the reasoning. Let's pretend we want to know what the top three jelly bean flavors are in the world. There are currently about 7.5 billion people in the world. If our sample size is seven people, that means the opinion of each individual in the sample represents over a billion individuals. Is this likely to be an accurate representation of everyone in the world? Absolutely not. The sample size would need to be much larger in order to even come close to representing all of the diversity there is in seven and a half billion individuals. While not necessarily accurate, a more reasonable minimum sample size for a survey is about 10% of the total population. Is it always possible to do this? No. That is why statistics need to include how many participants were used in the calculation of their results. With that limited piece of information, an individual is able to gauge the accuracy and reliability of the information. A common deceptive tactic frequently used to misrepresent data is only using percentages without any mention of real numbers or actual data. A recent example comes from an article on teen and preteen suicide. I don't have the article in front of me, but it was so egregious when I read it weeks ago that the example made me think there was reason enough to do a podcast about why understanding statistics is important. An article published in 2012 made a claim that suicide for children between the ages of 5 and 9 was at epidemic proportions in the United States with a 100% increase from 2005 to 2007. There are a lot of red flags with this claim. First of all, if the article is from 2012, why are they selectively choosing the years 2005 and 2007? To be relevant and meaningful, they should be using the most recent data from 2012 or 2011, depending on exactly when the article was written. The people writing the article deliberately prune the data, selecting these specific years in order to make their claim. Whenever there is a manipulation of data like this, it is a good indicator that the claims are questionable at best. Looking at the raw data, it showed there were only two deaths in 2005 and four deaths in 2007. While it is true an increase from two to four is a 100% increase, it is clearly not at epidemic proportions. 
with a total population of roughly 325 million individuals, as tragic as any death may be, two or four deaths is negligible from a statistical point of view. As I said to a colleague of mine while I was preparing that podcast, there is no productive reason for manipulating the data. Dealing with suicide and child death is sad enough as it is. There is no reason to misrepresent the numbers. The reality and truth of this situation is tragic enough. While that was clearly a deliberate misrepresentation, there were many articles where it was clear that the people who had written them did not understand the statistics they were quoting and instead were simply grabbing at numbers someone else had calculated. Another recent example comes from activist sites rallying about the importance of preventing teenage suicide. I'm not picking on this group of individuals. I just happened to read a lot of their articles and ended up checking the raw data that was used to make their claims because their claims appeared to be inaccurate and if I was going to quote their claims, I wanted to make sure what they were saying was true. It was immediately clear that the majority of the people writing articles and curating sites for these groups did not understand how statistics are calculated or what the numbers they used actually represented. I don't recall the exact years that were cited, but it was another case of selecting data to back a claim that was being made. The claim read something like the following. Teenage suicide increased from 4.6% in 2008 to 9.2% in 2010. Here is the problem. They are using undefined percentages. Using only the information they provided, teen suicide was 4.6% of what? in 2008 and 9.2% of I don't know in 2010. There was no context provided, which means the claim was leaving a lot of guesswork for the reader. A logical assumption would be the percentage refers to a portion of the affected population, in this case teenagers. If true, this does look fairly grim. However, following through on the mathematics proves the guess to be inaccurate. If it is assumed they are saying roughly 5% of all teenagers commit suicide on a yearly basis, that means 1 out of 20 teenagers killed themselves in 2008 and nearly 10% or 1 out of every 10 teenagers killed themselves in 2010. If that were true, those numbers would mean there are hundreds of funerals for teenagers in every school district every year directly resulting from suicide. That clearly is not the case. It was not until I looked at the raw data and information provided by the Center for Disease Control, or CDC, that I realized what had happened. It turns out the CDC runs a default batch of statistical calculations for various diseases and other data they collect. As a result, there are some calculations that might be useful when looking at communicability of a disease, but don't make a lot of sense in a population with a 100% mortality rate. What the percentage actually represented was the number of teenagers in relation to the total number of suicides that year. Or, of all the people who killed themselves in 2008, 4.6% were teenagers. That puts the statistic in a completely different light. Of all the people who killed themselves that year, only one out of 20 was a teenager. And the following year, they cite nearly 10% is actually good when you look at the breakdown of the population. 90% of the suicides happen to people who are over the age of 20. 
those numbers are actually looking pretty phenomenal for teenagers. An additional problem caused by the misuse of this statistic is there is an unaccounted for change in the overall size of the affected population. This will potentially distort these types of numbers into a meaningless state. The overall population of individuals who kill themselves increases by several thousand some years and decreases by as many or more in other years. What this means is, if the number of a subpopulation, teenagers in this case, remains the same, but the overall size of the total population increases or decreases, it will make the percentage contribution of the subpopulation appear as if it is decreasing or increasing respectively, even though there has been no numerical change in the actual number of individuals in the subpopulation. Don't worry, we're coming into the home stretch here. Regardless of the level of understanding individuals may have, there are a couple of key points to keep in mind. Context is an important catalyst for understanding. It adds focus, further illuminating the relevance and magnitude of what is being presented. When statistics are involved, all meaning and relevance is lost when no context, no explanation, and no methodology are provided. When big claims are made and little or no backing data is provided, it is fair to conclude that there must not be much convincing evidence and the argument is weak and unfounded at best. In the end, do not take statistical evidence at face value. At times, it is purposefully misrepresented in order to distort the truth. More often, it seems, people utilizing statistics to back their claims do not understand what the numbers they are using actually represent. In any case, if the picture is unclear, ask for context and more information. If people making a claim cannot or will not provide either of those, it is fair to disregard whatever claim they have made.